0: Hey, folks, Tom and Keith, and we want to send a big shout out to the Dunlap Champions Club, which has been the sponsor of Front Row Knowles podcast for some time. Now, hopefully during the 2017 season, you got a chance to sample it. I know on the field, the season may not have gone the way you wanted, but uh, off the field, the experience remained top shelf inside the Dunlap Champions Club.
1: Without question, the the ability to go to a ball game, to to be inside when it's hot, to have refreshments, food, drink, those types of things. And you and I both, Tom, have talked about, uh, particularly during this semester, school semester, We've been in there for other functions, and certainly many of our listeners uh, should have the opportunity and will have the opportunity to be there for other than football games. If you're a member, you've got that opportunity on Friday nights prior to the game. You can do things on Sunday. It's uh, obviously attached to the University Center Club. Uh, It's a great all round venue for anything that's going on during the weekend. It was built with 365 days a year function
0: space or functions in mind. I'll I'll remind you that uh, next year, 2018, Seven home games on the schedule, including Virginia Tech, Florida, and Clemson. Plant that little seed. Now, if you want more info, go to fsuclubseats.com or fsuchampionsclub.com. And now, without further ado,
1: Front Row Knowles.
2: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith.
0: Good day,
1: everybody. Great day. It is Front Row Knowles time. Tom and KJ back with you. Keith, how are you? Well, other than uh, proving that I am a Tallahassean by catching the Tallahassee crud, I'm doing great. I actually woke up this morning and felt like that might be coming uh, my way as well. So you you stay on your side of the studio. Between Shreveport two weeks ago and snow last week and everything else, I, I got it
0: well like i said stay on your side of the studio we uh have an interesting uh show coming up as always we will uh talk a lot about florida state that's what we do it's front row knolls but we'll also bring ucf into the conversation a little bit and talk to the longtime voice of the ucf knights in our next segment uh because i it was an interesting pr ploy if you subscribe to the uh, pt barnum theory that there's no Any such...
1: publicity is good
0: publicity if you subscribe to that theory then you have to say that ucf was brilliant in how they handled it not that we're going to uh, need to talk all about ucf right now because we did have the actual national championship game the other night and uh, Alabama came back and won that thing and I'll just I'll just leave it there we Keith and I never script anything out so what would you like to add there and we'll see where the conversation
1: uh, simply that I I, I I removed myself from the TV during halftime to um, get ready for bed I didn't go to bed stayed up and watched obviously the second half but got things in order thinking to myself is Alabama going to get shut out in this ball game because no way, shape, form, or fashion did I even imagine that Saban would go to his freshman backup quarterback. I didn't... That was not a consideration. Didn't even know who the kid was. I mean, I'm not an Alabama fan. Obviously, he was highly touted coming out of high school in in Hawaii. But uh, when he went in, I went, they're giving up. I mean, they're, they're quitting almost. And uh, boy, was I wrong. So two things.
0: First... In a sure sign that I am an old man these days, I went to bed at halftime. Recording the game, got up at five thirty in the morning. Didn't look at social. Watched the second half and overtime in about thirty-seven minutes. Because if you actually skip the commercials and halftime, it's a very entertaining. It game, was a much more efficient way to watch it. So that's point number one. Uh, point number two, I thought at the time that he got Sabin got more credit. Than he deserved for that and I, I, this this sounds anti-alabama because i think saban's a terrific coach like everybody else does i didn't think it was that gutsy a move simply because when you have four national titles in your back pocket people are going to give you the benefit of the doubt on it if you haven't won a national title if that's mark rick if that's somebody else and you do that people see it as panic if you're nick saban and you say we're going to go to this guy even if it doesn't work out i mean you were already getting shut out so really there was the only scenario, the only place to go was up on it, and that's not to diminish the decision. Most coaches wouldn't have made it. Obviously, uh, Nick did, The and I think I echo the sentiments of everybody on this. Everybody's scared to death now because Alabama has a quarterback. I mean, everybody's just envisioning now that Alabama's going to have a well, 29-game the to- the win streak. The topic now
1: is this guy is going to win the Heisman Trophy within two or three years, so everybody's conversation now is what are we going to do with Jalen? Does he transfer? Do we move into running back? Do we move into wide receiver? How does he? How does he handle it? Because he's been the face of Alabama football for two years now. That's who we associate it with. But then all of a sudden, the new kid comes in, and he apparently is is so good. <coughs> pardon me, so good that we've already handed the reins to him, and and got the Heisman Trophy ready to be inscribed. That's about where we are right yep. now. So.
0: Our conversation next segment, we'll talk a little bit about UCF and what does the future hold for programs like them at the Group of Five level that just don't have access. Do you think that we're any closer to getting more
1: access for more teams? Absolutely. Uh, And I think I can make the point, and and, uh, I'll be interested. Uh, Mark Daniels is scheduled to join us, uh, as you mentioned, next next segment, uh, the voice of UCF. I think the argument can be made that within the BCS system and within the playoff system, you need controversy to move them. In other words, they, 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 you got to have something Yeah, the status, the the status quo is not going to affect change. No. And and with UCF doing what they've done as well as they've done it, that may force the playoff committee, you know what, whoever, into making change sooner. I don't think it'll happen tomorrow or next year, but I certainly think it creates a movement uh, to doing something different.
0: It, it, it creates some. It's not as strong as it could have been. The way the bowl season started – When the Big Ten was winning everything and Ohio State had been shut out from the playoff uh, it starts, you know, when UCF wins, it looks like you're going that way. But really, to me, what needed to happen to get more of an impetus was for Alabama to go out and lose to Clemson by four touchdowns, which you all knew wasn't going to happen. But that would have continued the debate on, see, they, sh- they didn't deserve to be in. But now Alabama is the national champ, so a lot of that argument goes away. I don't, you and I differ on this. I don't see anything changing until the TV contracts are up because they've awarded, first of all, the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl aren't going to give up the semis. They've awarded those things out, all those bowl games. The championship sites are awarded. Uh, the natural breaking point,
1: if you're going to change things, would be then. And if you were going to change things,
0: it's would okay. it be six it's, or eight? It's
1: okay, Tommy. It's okay. You have been wrong plenty of times before, and I'm patient with you, and I forgive you. I know, but as we look at the scoreboard, I see that you are still well ahead in that
0: department, so I, I am I am cognizant of that fact. Cognizant? Oh, that's a big word. I, I just don't uh, – it, it is um, – it, it's it's interesting because the the big boys – just don't want to they leave. don't want to give up they, they don't want the little boys into the party but there's not a good way to get rid of them
1: to be frank you can't they're uninvite like, them they're like the little brother you the mom says okay you're 16 years old one of your buddies is having a house party three doors down his parents are going to be there it's going to be supervised but the little girl that you want to talk to is going to be at that party and your mom says yeah you can go to the party but you got to take your 11 year old brother with you and don't let him get in any trouble and make sure he has a good time because if the 11-year-old brother comes back and says he didn't have a good time, you ain't never going to another party again as a 16-year-old.
0: Hmm. It's a fairly decent analogy. I just I don't see where they... It, they're there because there's not a way to make them not be there. And I hate to put it that way, but that's what it is. I mean, what what's the future for UCF? And if they never... If they don't... The the, the hope is that they get to a
1: Power 5 conference. Only, other than that... The only thing I'd... I, I, disagree with that, and this is a very long-term thing, is remember when Coach Bowden came into Florida State. I would argue that UCF is in a better position right now than Florida State was in 1976 or 1977. And look what Florida State has been able to accomplish over the last 35, 40 years. There'll be a time when the UCFs of the world are relevant. It just may not be quick enough for, for most of us. You and I may not be around when that time comes. Well, that's a whole other
0: discussion for a whole other segment. (laughs) All right. On the Florida State side of the ledger, uh, more coaches uh, have been announced since you and I talked.
1: We're going to have to learn names i know we haven't had to do this and faces yeah i know and, and they don't know who we think we are i know how I are know. we going to explain well, that's, that to
0: them that's really the biggest part of the whole how are we yeah, they don't, not only that. do they not know they don't care so that <laughs> that's really weird are you a five star can you play wide receiver well, no can you play tight end no yeah defensive back but in defensive 1977 end? yeah exactly so anyway uh um, we're, we're taping the show early today so uh we may miss you know something might like get caught up in the wash of the uh the late afternoon on it but we have a defensive coordinator we're, we're looking for three more coaches basically half the team has turned pro early including jalen wilkerson that news came out early this week you're not going to like this keith but you're just going to have to accept in your old school mindset that the new reality is that guys are coming to school to play football for three years and after that whether they have 60 hours towards a degree in the bank or no hours in the bank towards a degree, they're moving on and they're trying to go get paid. And I, that's just I, the way it is. I heard you. I heard you. I mean, what is it? I up don't to, like it, but what, I heard you. Well, it's what is it, up to six now for FSU? Now, to uh, be fair, well, several and, several of them are going to be drafted. Well, but, but two or three of them might not be. It is back to your point. But – But my point is they're happy to take the practice squad money and and, and just just move on. I guess the real point is if there was an option coming out of high school, some of these guys would choose that option to go get paid and play minor league football. Now, that's another thing we can't solve. But, I mean, that would be the route they would go.
1: Maybe we can make the non-Power 5 conferences the minor league conferences for the NFL and let the NFL fund them.
0: But then the NFL would have to spend its money. If you'd like to spend your money... Not a lot of it, I should point out, because they've always got a special. Very guide. reasonable. Head over to Madison Social. Head over to uh, any of the folks down there, Centrale. You can go to Township. It's uh, Weinstein Day. It's also a home basketball day. The Knolls play in Louisville. So if you're looking to have dinner or imbibe before the game, head down there to uh, one of those places and tell them that we sent you. Please mm-hmm. do. All right, we will talk with Mark Daniels from UCF. Uh, We're just getting warmed up. We haven't really talked Florida State, so I guess we need to do that at some point, too. We'll get to our Seminoles.com insider. All that and more is straight ahead here on Front Row Noles. Back on front row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones. We fire up the Earl Bacon Agency Hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together, and we say hello to a longtime friend who has been at it for a while, Mark Daniels. Those of you from the center of the state would know Mark Daniels is the longtime voice of UCF. How are you, sir?
3: I'm doing great, guys. How are you?
0: Good. I expected more enthusiasm. You're unbeaten, you're national champs. You are doing right? <laughs> do you have the <laughs> sweatshirt on? Do you have it on? <laughs>
3: uh you have merchandise and uh, probably uh wear not every moment but uh, but you have merchandise cool i'll
0: give you the disclaimer first and then we'll uh, we'll discuss a little bit further in that i think it's been brilliant by ucf the way they have handled this but i'm curious and sitting in your position what is this year 23 or 24 you've been the, the voice of the knights
3: 23
0: yeah. 23 do you consider yourself a national champion right now
3: Well, I think. Well, uh, the answer to the question is: I recognize the college football playoff national champions, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They won the football game It's the system that's in place. To understand what UCF has done, I think you have to understand what their mission was, and from that standpoint, they accomplished it. Danny White wanted to get a dialogue that would allow him to tell the story about UCF's season, about their league, and about the system that they believe is stacked against not just UCF but teams that play in group of five leads. And I think when you go undefeated and play a legitimate schedule, then I think you have a right to ask, well, why does other people get to tell me what my season was? Look, nobody at UCF believes that the rest of the country is going to go around saying that Alabama and UCF split the national championship. But there was a marketing uh, objective by Danny White, and I would argue that UCF got four votes in the AP. He did 40 national interviews with networks and newspapers and magazines and websites. And it wasn't to brag to say, we beat Alabama by two, three touchdowns. It was to say, our team is as good as anybody. We weren't given a chance to be part of the consideration. And we think our kids deserve attention for the great season that they have. What bothered me is that some people in national media were offended and didn't understand what Danny White was doing. It's one thing if our AD got out there and said, hey, we pulled Alabama away. We're the best. That wasn't the mission. The mission was to get people to understand his position, where the committee in the eyes of a lot of people at UCF and other schools like USF and Memphis felt the system stacked against them, That you're never going to rank them inside the top 10 during the college football playoff committee's ranking, because you don't want to put them into discussion if you had one or two upset Saturdays, and and UCF felt that way. Scott Frost saw three lost teams jump them um, in that college football committee's poll. That was ridiculous ridiculous so from that standpoint i think ucf was successful in the message that's out there if there are people that now say well ucf has a target on their back great what group of five team doesn't want the recognition of well can you back it up and do it again which in some ways is what ucf would have to do to garner that attention
1: mark kj here i was one of the ones when it was first publicly announced that that UCF was going to declare themselves a national champion. I think what I think the story that I heard was that they were going to raise a banner that signified that. And I said, Man, I'm not sure about that. But but what won me over, what won me over, and now that I've heard you explain in more detail about the overall plan is the fact that the university put their money where their mouth was. They honored the national championship provisions of the coaches' contracts monetarily. In other words, this was not just a PR ploy. This was part no. of an overall campaign, and right. and I think UCF did a remarkable job of executing it.
3: Yeah, that was the funny thing. Dan Walken of USA Today put out a, a tweet that said, well, let UCF put their money where their mouth was. The bonuses were paid about 12 hours earlier. <laughs> um, Danny, Danny White did that that night after the Peach Bowl. Um, those bonuses were paid. Look, it, Keith, you know this. Tom, you know it's been covering. Uh, no one is saying that UCF's program right now is on the level of Alabama. Heck, no one in the country is on that level there. But it's just trying to say the system is a little bit difficult for schools that believe that they play a brand of football that is as equal as many schools in Power Five. No one's going to question the Blue Blood blue blood brands of college football. But there are so many schools that are members that do nothing to help the television package, do nothing to really promote some of these Power Five leagues. And there's a recognition of schools. And I don't say that just for UCF. I say it about USF, about Memphis, about Houston, about uh, Colorado State and Boise and San Diego State that put money into their football programs to have them compete on a high level. One of the most frustrating things was, for example, Booger McFarland, who I like in great respect, Booger said on the many college football live shows the past week, well, what bothered him about UCF's claim is he believes that others should be telling them what a great season they had, particularly those in the media. Booger, that was the problem. You never talked about UCF each week when the playoff committee came out with their ratings. You never talked about them on all the other college shows that were there. So how do you want them to garner the attention? The sad thing is, guys, some people saw Shaquem Griffin play for the first time last week. Well, that's not on UCF. That's on ESPN. That's on the powers that tell the story in college football on a weekly basis, here's an All-American worthy linebacker, regardless of his situation of his hand being amputated as a child, here's an All-American linebacker that was the best player on the field in the Peach Bowl. You didn't know he was there for the last two years. That's more about you, the national media covering the game, that, you know, you didn't recognize these players.
1: Mark, we're uh, in the beginning of the, the legislative session here in Tallahassee, and one of the things that if you've been around that process, you understand that lobbyists spend a lot of their time killing bad ideas it's not (laughs) promoting good ideas but it's killing bad ideas i say that to say this one of the things that we've come to understand about the bcs system and about the playoff system is that they've got to be moved you you, there's got to be controversy there's got to be a problem that makes them react to it and as in in that vein I think UCF's uh, success in 2017 is going to be a great impetus whether we go to six teams or eight teams or whatever it is this is the type of controversy that moves the system and and I think five years from now or however long it takes we're going to look back on this and say you know that was a pretty pivotal uh, pivotal point right there.
3: Yeah, maybe, and I hope you're right. And yet someone said, well, Mark, would you feel that way if UCF was given entry to the Big 12 tomorrow? And I'd like to think that I would say, yeah, because the system still is stuck at four, and you have five teams that play Power 5. But, Keith, I've heard too many people say, well, let's expand it to eight. If you expand it to eight tomorrow, I don't believe for one second that the Power 5 commissioners would guarantee a sponsored group of five teams It would just say you have even a better chance now to get in because they don't want to give up the money. They want to keep the money for themselves. And by the way, if I was a commissioner of one of those five leagues, I would not want to change the system. And if I went to eight, I wouldn't want to give a group of five team a slot because it's about protecting their money and not sharing it with anybody else. The other frustrating thing is I heard it. people say, well, if UCF played an SEC schedule, they would lose three, three or four games. First off, if you play an SEC schedule, you're in the SEC. That also means you get $40 million a year in media money over the course of five years is $200 million. The next five years, UCF will make about $15 million under the current deal the American has. So when I hear that argument, I get frustrated. Are we talking about a level playing field? Are we talking about an imbalanced playing field? Because, guys, you know this. If tomorrow, and I could pick some of the ACC as well, if, if tomorrow I told Mississippi State for the next five years you'll make $3 million instead of $40 million a year, what's their program like in three years? And if I gave UCF the $40 million a year, what's their program like in three years? That's a level playing field. When someone says they would go undefeated in the SEC, I don't think they would go undefeated in the SEC. But under what conditions? Are we playing it equally? Because you know what? I've seen Vanderbilt finish last a lot in the last 25 years.
0: No, it's a very valid point. I want to go back to, uh, you know, how does the group of five get a seat at the table, the big boy table? Because you're right, the Power Five wants to keep the money. And we're sort of playing this game where everybody gets an orange wedge. But, uh, you know, the the reality is the orange wedge the group of five is getting is a lot smaller than, than what the Power Five is getting. How do you see it playing out going forward? I mean, do we get to a, a system where the Group of Five has its own playoff? I mean, do we just keep Oof. keep keep going like this, and and it the schools like UCF hope that ultimately they get extended an invite to a Power Five conference? I mean, how do you? Well, see no this? one,
3: yeah, no one's really played their way into a Power Five. The whole conference realignment that saw Utah and TCU get to the Pac twelve and uh, to the Big Twelve happened when. The Big 12 was fighting for survival. The whole thing with Texas going to go is going to be a Pac 16. Um, no one's actually played their way in. And I mean, the one team that could give an example to play their way in is Boise State, and I mean, no disrespect to them, they're they're further than UCF of getting in simply because of the demographic. I mean, the market, the numbers, and stuff like that. Um, I don't see it changing. The only league that has any chance of reevaluating expansion would be the big 12 and i'm not convinced that they're willing to do that i never felt that oklahoma and texas was against the idea of a ucf usf combo or somebody getting in one they know they control the history the future of that league i mean bob bowles may be a great guy but his existence as a commissioner is on the decision of oklahoma and texas in a few years to stay in that league when they're meeting a deal up i believe the schools that were post-expansion and guys, just two years ago, Houston was the good team. They had the magical season. As Florida State fans, unfortunately, know, it, 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 it's not Oklahoma, Texas. It was Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State. Why would they want two teams of power markets such as Tampa Orlando or Houston to come in? Because you know what happens when you go seven and five, and you bring in teams like that, you suddenly go six and six and five and seven. And that's how coaches get fired. Those schools had no interest in expanding. you can sit and say, why would you not want to come to Florida in the two markets of Orlando and Tampa, guarantee your teams a trip to the state every single year? Because you could lose. I mean, they gave UCF and and USF $35 billion a year. They're going to invest in facilities. They're going to keep coaches. They're going to expand the recruiting base. And you know what? A kid's going to go, why am I leaving Florida to go to Ames, Iowa, which may be a wonderful place, or to Waco, Texas? He's not leaving. He'd stay. And, And that's what's frustrating for teams like UCF and USF, they invest in football, they're successful on the field, but people have a perception going, well, they're not as big. And I use this school, and again, I'm sorry about this, there's a few alums. Washington State gets a check every year for what? It's not the Pullman television market that ESPN's after. They were at the table 80 years ago, and then the Pac-8, which was actually called something else, was formed. That's it. And they're still a member today. And therefore, that's why they get a big check every single year. In all due respect, no advantage that Washington State has over a UCF, a USF, or Houston. None. They just existed in a conference 80 years ago. And therefore, we have a perception that these, quote, group of five schools aren't good enough. For guys, you've been to those cities, Orlando, Tampa, Houston. There's plenty of resources that if you put those programs in major conferences, they wouldn't become Alabama tomorrow. But they'd be competitive quickly, and they'd be better than many current power five schools just take a check you guys know this better than me there's two schools that are responsible for the ACC two TV package in football it ain't Wake Forest it's not Virginia it's Florida State and Clemson let's not kid ourselves
0: Mark good perspective I know we're up against a window here uh you are in uh balmy Connecticut for a big basketball game tonight so good <laughs> luck to the uh the Knights against the Huskies
3: okay guys thank you much thank thanks you. Mark
0: but, Hey, are you getting a championship ring by the way one final question on the way
3: out well, if they make them, I hope I get one. It doesn't have to be real. I just like something shiny.
0: Yeah. Well, well, we'll talk to Danny, and we'll see what we can do.
3: <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. Take care.
0: Mark Daniels, the voice of UCF. Interesting uh, conversation there. I mean, we can't solve college
1: football's problems in ten minutes. No, but Mark, How about Mark's th- been around long enough and has a, a, enough of a big perspective that, that he can even sway me. You know, because I would be the ones. I would be one of the ones that says, "Well, let the let the next five have their own tr- process." And and he's arguing, well, wait a minute, you start comparing the Washingtons or the Vanderbilts or whoever against a UCF, a USF, a Houston. Uh, There is legitimacy to his argument that maybe we should pay some attention to.
0: Well, if we had the European model and we did promotion and relegation here, then it would work. We could just drop the bottom teams out of the leagues every year and move somebody up. I mean, I know that's not really feasible, but if you did that, guess who would stay in the upper tier? It would be the Houstons and the UCFs and the USFs and not the Wake Forest and the Washington states. all right, we'll step aside there's there's a lot to unpack there. We'll try to do some more of that when we continue here on front row Knowles.
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, we appreciate Mark Daniels joining us. We'll hear from our Seminoles.com insider next segment. Anything else you want to add
1: on that? We can't solve the playoff uh. Well, I, I, I just think—I just think again. As, as I said to Mark, my initial reaction was, "This is a fluke and this is silly." But but once you process what UCF has done, and and you hear from Mark about you know there was discussion, this was a thought out plan. Uh, the plan was implemented. The plan was executed, and they pulled it off. Then I think you begin to understand that uh, uh, a d White had an idea of what to do to position this school and and he 's working on that plan and and obviously u s f and Houston and all the others that uh, that Mark talked about uh, will probably kind of either through uh, osmosis or sit down face to face meetings begin the process of exploring other opportunities in other ways. I, I thought it was a really strong move by, by Dan White, who's their AD. He's only been there since late
0: 2015, and I don't think he'll be there long based on – this is an eye-opening PR move. Well, that he made.
1: The, the problem with UCF right now is simply the fact that Frost was so good that he's now been plucked away because of money to Nebraska, and he took his entire staff with him. So so it's going to be – is it impossible? No. But it's going to be virtually impossible for UCF to maintain where they're at right now. They're going to fall back. Is that a year? Is it a two-year? Right. Is it a three-year? And, and that's going to hurt the momentum that the school has built up. And that's just also speaks to Mark's issue. Nebraska's got the money. UCF doesn't. So they could offer Frost and his staff the money, and every one of them left.
0: Well, going back to what we talked about in the first segment, you've got the the big brother, little brother type syndrome. And think back to when Florida State finally played Florida and how it took the threat of legislation to make that happen. And then if first it, five games or six games, you know, Florida shows up wearing the, you know, whatever they had written on their shirts and their practice to go for seven or whatever it was. I mean, that mentality still exists. I mean, the big boys are not playing the little boys. I'd have to analyze it florida state's probably doing more of it than anybody right i mean fsu has gone to usf twice in the last few years fsu still has a game at boise state on the books just about nobody in the power five is playing
1: these kind of games no you're you're absolutely right and and, in order for that to take place you know we're gonna have to get back to the conversation we've had about there being a commissioner but yet if you appoint a commissioner of the big five then that individual's sole purpose is going to be to protect the big five and not the next six or five or how many there are. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting dynamic. All right, let's shift the
0: conversation. Let's talk Florida State now. When you and I last chatted, I think I lose track of this because you know news breaks about a coach who's been hired. Florida State doesn't officially announce it until a, a few days later. So I, I lose track of what we've commented on and haven't commented on and what we can comment on
1: and what we can't comment on. But anyway... We'll, we'll try to talk. Well, we can State. comment on this. Despite what happens in the media, Florida State can't announce anything. To all of the contracts have been signed. All the I's have been dotted to T's. Well, we crossed. talked about
0: that last week. Part, because, part, part of the delay was the university was closed and there's HR involved, and you can't just come out and announce 10 new guys. right? Part of it has been that Willie hasn't gotten his first choice on everybody, and part of it's been that it takes a little while to, to do this. All that said, uh, I think he's doing a good job so far. I, I do find it interesting. There, there's, you know the fan base if you look at social media which you don't which you know when i get really old keith i'm gonna be like you and i'm just gonna get off social media because it's just starting to act it's a wonderful life i mean we are we are analyzing the coaching staff hires here people really know nothing about any of these coaches except what they read in these articles and we're analyzing whether it's a home run or not and i'm just here to say you could hire vince lombardi and pop warner and Nick Saban, and pick your other seven coaches and have the best ten coaches in the history of football, and it might be a total failure if there's no chemistry. So, I, you know, to say that all these guys are going to, are, you know, to say it's not good, it's not, we don't know. You got to, and I say this about recruiting. We rank all these kids now. Let's rank them in four
1: years, and then I'll tell you how good that recruiting
0: Great class was. I'm just, I'm just saying we got to wait a couple years and see how they gel together. Great.
1: I like what he's done so far. Great story in the local newspaper from our, our friend Jim Henry talking about Kent Schoolfield. Kent Schoolfield was in Tallahassee 40 years ago to do something on a lark, went by the FSU office of one Robert Klecker Bowden and dropped off his resume. It was put on the table with 100 other resumes, but Coach Bowden happened to be there. So he had an opportunity to talk, and they talked, and they talked, and ended up Coach Bowden offering Coach Schoolfield a job. Didn't go out to recruit him, didn't set out, didn't know who he was. They'd never met before. But the chemistry worked. It ended up being the great, you know, you can say the same thing for, for uh, Gene McDowell and, and for uh, uh, Coach Gladden and, 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 and the others that were part of Bobby's early staff. Um, you go back and look at the 2012 Florida State staff, tw- uh, six, six of them left in 2012. Oh, my gosh, we're going to back up three steps. It's going to be horrible. What did FSU do in 2013? Won a national championship. So you're you're 100% on track. It all looks good on paper or it all doesn't look good or anywhere in between. We won't know
0: until time is allowed. I just think it's very similar to recruiting. Do you want more better athletes rather than fewer? Yeah, you do. But at some point, personality and chemistry factors in and whether or not this guy is okay with this guy getting the headlines and whether or not this coach is okay with this coach being more vocal on this. You have to see how it meshes together. I do think that he's done a good job. I mean, you got a, a guy that you know, I don't know that anybody in East Lansing thought he was going to leave Michigan State, uh, and and every comment that's been made since he left has been a very positive one. In that he's a terrific man, individual coach, and that it's a huge loss for Michigan State. And I'm talking about the defensive coordinator, Harlan Barnett. There's even articles up there that this is what he had to do to become a head coach. So, I.e., Florida State's going to be looking for a defensive coordinator in two or three years again because he's that well thought of. And the next step may be that he goes to replace D'Antoni or he gets a head coaching job. Well, but if you're if you're getting a guy of that caliber to leave east lansing where he played and has been to come down here that speaks volumes about what this program is and can well
1: i remember coach taggart's and i'm sure there are more than two but the two things that i remember him talking about in terms of when he was asked what are you going to look for in in your assistance i want someone that can mentor young men and someone that can recruit and, and there were other things listed, but those were the two things that stuck out to me. I want to mentor young men, and he's got to be able to recruit. So if you continue to find folks that have those traits, um, I, think, I think the rest of it may come together pretty easily. We'll have to wait and see. He'll
0: finish up his uh, coaching staff. Obviously, the recruiting cycle gets uh, picked up again as we come out of the dead period, and we count down to the first Wednesday in February when Florida State will cap off its signing class. It's not going to be the biggest of signing classes, and I like the fact that Taggart at his initial press conference, or maybe it was subsequent to that, has basically said, we're taking guys that can play at this level. We're not
1: taking guys to take guys. Well, and I think it's interesting, too, and it'll be interesting how this ferrets out, but they're not going to sign a full class either right that's what i'm saying for our for our listeners you get you get 85 scholarships but and i think florida state has now with some of the earlier departures i'm guessing 22 23 24 scholarships available but coach taggart has said he's only going to sign 16 17 18 kids part of the reason for that tommy is also intentional because there's some other recruiting that you can do during the summer with junior college transfers other transfers kids that have finished their eligibility want to move and and you've you've created an opportunity with some open slots that you can go hand pick some people that that you know fit specific needs that you've identified after spring ball
0: you sound like you're auditioning for like a late night smooth jazz DJ kind of thing i mean what you got going on over there i'm here? just fading I'm, I'm fading my 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 crud yeah with keith jones late nights right here um, no, but I, I, you know, you're right about that, and I don't know what the scholarship count is. I, I don't know that it's that many, but there's guys that are going to, you know, if you look at the guys who've left, and we we did talk about this last week. Uh, we knew that Saturday was going to be a D day because there was a team well, meeting Saturday night at six. So we talked about. I said, look, I don't know what these guys are doing, but we're going to hear something by the team meeting. So lo and behold, on Saturday, what happens? Auden Tate and McFadden go ahead and declare because even though they had until the fifteenth to tell the NFL. You're either in the boat or you're not is what we talked about, and they decided – and I don't – both oh, those guys are making F-O money.
1: We talked about it as a train, not a boat.
0: You know my point. <laughs> anyway, um,
1: what else you want to add? It, it is what it is. I mean the Taggart train is leaving the station. Do you want to be on it or do you not want to be on it? If you don't I, want to be th- on it, get off now. As I think back, I think I referred to it as a boat last
0: week, and you referred to it as a train, just as we did today again.
1: Uh, we'll talk to
0: our Seminoles.com insider. I think that we have a pinch hitter for uh, one, Tim Linnefelt, this week in Lane Hurt. So we'll uh, try to iron that out, and uh, we'll get somebody on the We're Going to the left-hander uh, out of the bullpen? We're going to the bullpen. Yeah, Tim's he has been struggling to get through the fifth lately. So we're going to go to the bullpen and see if we can't uh, get a little better result right after this on front Reynolds
2: Rondro Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Welcome back to the show, Keith. I've been waiting for this moment. It's been a while. As we with bated breath and, and, and palpitating heart. Yes, that as we fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our Seminoles.com insider. And it's not Tim Linnefeld. Yeehaw! How about Ooh, that? Sorry, that, that means that we can talk about Tim right now because he's not on the show. We're going to do so with our good friend Lane Hurt. Lane, how are you?
4: I am great. And thank you for the warm welcome. It's, uh, it's an honor to, to be with you guys.
0: Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate you pinching. in. There's the
1: first difference.
0: exactly tim doesn't consider it an honor and i I just referred to it as pinch hitting but actually we already determined that he was coming in out of the pen to to take the mound so welcome to the mound because tim was struggling a little bit and since we're not in the uh, age of connectivity we know that he'll never hear this later lane so you got got anything you want to share about tim i mean is there anything that our our listeners should know about uh our our usual starter on the seminoles.com mound
4: Man, this is a lot of pressure and I honestly have nothing but good things to say about Oh him. yeah, you're towing so the company I, line. I all right. All right, you're done. You're done. Oh, yeah, you're oh, done. Man. That segment, that
1: segment is
0: just protecting one another. You do share space with them there office space, so we'll let we'll let that be. All
4: right. All I had to do was throw a strike and and I could I couldn't do it. Oh, yeah.
0: Man. Well, no, you grooved it and and I hit it out of the park, I think is what happened. So <laughs> Well, there's a fantasy. All right. So we've gone this far into the show and it was a small park. And a short fence. We have yet to mention, Keith, that uh, the basketball team has a pretty significant game tonight. because uh, A rather at,
1: rather interesting number, too, I might add. At 1-2 and two in the ACC, it would be nice to get 500. Please add. Well, it's 28 consecutive home wins, I believe. And and that's a pretty interesting number in its own right.
0: And one of those home wins was a pretty memorable one over Louisville uh, a year ago in that January stretch when Florida State was playing all those ranked teams. So, Lane, what do you see as uh, the keys? How do you see this matchup tonight for FSU?
4: Uh, I think it's a, a favorable matchup. I will going through that whole head coaching transition with, with Patino being out and, and, and Padgett coming in. And, you know, I think they do a lot of the same things that they've done in the past years. They don't press quite as much, according to the players and coaches we talk to them. But I think it's a favorable matchup. They like to push the tempo. Obviously, Florida State plays their best fast. But I think the key for them is going to be they need to continue to run their offense they need to attack the basket more. Before the Miami game, they had hit 45 threes in three games. They kind of fell in love with the, the three-point shot. Went five of 24 against Miami. They've got to continue to run the office, get to the basket. I think that's where the keys is, is going to be in this game.
1: Well, and Coach Hamilton talked about this after the Miami loss that you know that you, you learn to rely on the threes, and and sometimes you're shooting sneakers aren't as good, and, and you're just not as uh, able to convert, uh, I think you're exactly right. Getting to the rim, a much higher probability shot uh, is certainly key. And I think, too, with uh, Komaji coming back, uh, depending on how many minutes he can play based on his stamina and, and, and game, uh, being in game shape, uh, I think that adds to their opportunities as well, Lane.
4: Yeah, I agree. Getting Kamaji back, I think it helps a lot of things defensively. He can erase a lot of mistakes uh, on the perimeter defensively. And then, yeah, he had eight rebounds in 13 minutes. It's going to be a month at least until you kind of get to see the Kamaji that you saw early in the season. But him being able to clean up the glass a little bit, block block some shots, alter some shots is only going to make this team better.
0: Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised that he came back the other night. I because, was shocked. <laughs> you know, a lot of times Leonard never tips his hand on that. He's out indefinitely, and I was beginning to fear that indefinitely meant until next season. Well,
1: I indefinitely, had, I know? had asked. I had asked someone who should know that day. I said because I saw Kurmaji out there without the boot on, and he was running around. Said, "We're going to see him? Nah, you're not going to see him tonight." And there he was. There he was.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was one of those things where you're wondering if he, he was going to get back out there, and, and, and getting him back this early in ACC play is, is only going to pay dividends down the road.
0: It is a, it is a key game, though. I, I would say if you assess where Florida State is right now, they have exceeded expectations thus far by virtue of of their overall record, a win over Carolina, a win over Florida. Yet the ACC is the ACC, and when you're sitting one and two, you don't want to you don't want to start staring up at uh, you know at too big a number in that loss column. So, uh, you know, being two and two and welcoming welcoming Syracuse to town on Saturday feels a lot better than being one and three with G- Jim Bayheim and company coming to town, doesn't
4: it? One hundred percent. I think this is such a key stretch for this for this team because it's not surprised that they're one and two. It was another incredibly difficult start to the ACC schedule with with trips to Duke and Miami, sandwiched with a a home game against UNC. So I think one and two is fine, but now you're taking on a Louisville team who who hasn't won the road yet, a Syracuse team who's been struggling mightily. I think they scored 49 points in a a home loss to Notre Dame, and then they lost uh, again last night on the road to Virginia. And then a trip to Boston College, against a much-improved Boston College team, but still not not in the the top half of, of the league. I think if you can... Go three and zero in that stretch, which I think all three of these games are winnable games. Then you get the four and two in conference play, and you can start looking at the possibility of trying to play for one of those coveted double buys in the tournament.
0: You know, see, this is Tim would have predicted. You know, maybe we'll go two and one during that stretch, but we bring Lane on. He's got us going three and zero over that stretch.
4: No, I'm throwing heaters, Tyler. Yeah, not you,
0: you may be in line for some more work here, Lane. If you're going to keep making predictions like that, we appreciate that. What else is going on? On uh, you know, we haven't talked about football, and part of the part of the challenge is uh, you know some things break that uh, you know you can't comment on yet until the university officially announces it. But what's your overall thoughts on uh, sort of how things have gone since Coach Taggart was introduced back in early December? I I like where where
4: things are headed, and I count me in the the. the the minority, or the uh, majority, of people who are really excited about Harlan Barnett coming in as, as defensive coordinator. I mean, this guy's done a great job at Michigan State, learning under some great coaches there, and then taking over and, and succeeding. What gets me most excited is you look at the recruiting rankings uh, of, of Michigan State over the past five years. I, I looked this up from Rivals, and it's been they've ranked thirty third, eighteenth, twenty second, twenty second, and 47th. Yet they continue to put out top ten defenses, which tells me that they do a great job of developing talent. And schematically, they must be doing something right as well. So, I'm just kind of excited to see what what he can do with with the caliber of athlete he's going to be able to get at Florida State. And yeah, I think I mean you have to patiently put together your your, your staff, get the right guys, and you know you're going to miss on a couple, you're going to you're going to hit on a couple of, of the guys at the top of your list, but. You know, the key is to get the guys who Coach Taggart is is comfortable with and is going to run things the way that he wants them run.
0: Lane, behind the scenes, Keith is doing uh, some sort of dance here referring to the fact, see, Keith wants to blow up anybody who ranks recruits. He just wants football players. (laughs) <laughs> the fewer the stars, but the tougher the individual, the better. So I mean, we want—he's over here doing I need this some dance. mules.
1: <laughs> yeah, that exactly. We need some mules, guys that'll put yeah. their heads down. They'll grind it out. I love. I was thinking about this the other day, uh, Lane. Totally off subject, but Tiger Woods in, in his heyday, greatest golfer for that period of time. One of the things Tiger always talked about is some days you don't have it, and you just got to put your head down, and you got to grind. Today is a grind day. You mm-hmm. can't grind when you're a frickin' thoroughbred. You got to have some mules that that will get out there and just put their head down and go ahead. That That is – uh, righteous sermon. When you talk about Michigan State's, you know, being in the twenties or the thirties of the recruiting rankings, and yet still having top ten defenses because they develop
0: players. I love it. I told you he was doing a dance, and now I gave him the pulpit, and it's, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, we might have to – we're done for the rest of the show. I, I will say to your point, now, now, he did not refer to them as mules, but when Jeremy Pruitt was here that one year, because I got to interview him for the radio network, and uh, I don't remember the point in the season, but he did comment to me that he was concerned – now, he had come from Alabama – and he was speaking to the depth. He said, there's, there's not enough glue guys here. There's not." And what, what happened that year is, nobody, what do you do with mules when you're done with them? Nobody You make glue out of them. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go that way, Keith. The point is that he was speaking overall that, uh, you know, you had a lot of alpha dogs like Telvin and Jameis. Yeah. He, was, he was worried about how many glue guys you had. So, I mean, that, that's kind of what you're, not to say that a glue guy can't be a starter, but it's it's similar. You're going to start
1: calling me Elmer, aren't you? I am. I
0: am. What's on Seminoles.com right now, Lane? We got to get out of this. I got to climb out of this hole.
4: All right. Well, Seminoles.com, we've got a, a preview of tonight's game against Louisville written by none other than Tim Linfell. I've got a little preview video in there as well. And then, uh, I mean, you've got, uh, you've got some sports kicking off now. You've got the tennis team starting out. Men's tennis is 3-0 right now. Let's talk you know, about
0: you're... that for a second, Lane. If you truly were all in with Seminoles.com, you would have gone to Hawaii with the men's tennis team. So what's up?
4: You you, you know what? You try to get yourself on trip. And then you also try to, uh, you know, value your 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 life because I think telling telling your your wife and two children that you're going to Hawaii with them or without them and you just took them to Shreveport. Hey, you you know, I sometimes you have to value your life.
0: Wise beyond his years. I'm just going to suggest Lane as somebody that did take his family to Shreveport. And somebody that also left his family one Christmas to spend it with Keith in Hawaii, you made a wise decision. Oh, All right, well, we appreciate it as always. We'll tell Tim that uh, his innings are deaf. His pitch count has been lowered. So, you know, he's... He better come firing because he's not going to make it even into the fifth anymore. We're going to go to the leash is short. The leash is short, yeah.
4: Hey, any, any time I can get some innings in, I, I, have, I have no problem. I, I love talking to you guys. This is a blast. So thank you for, for having me.
0: You bet. Lane Hurt, and he's talking about innings. We're talking about innings. Baseball uh, has... You know, it's not full team workouts. That starts later this month. Whatever they do, where well, they, they have the four, first... four guys out there at a time, yeah. position. I don't know what they call it. First them. game's
1: within a month, though, isn't it?
0: Uh, it's like weeks? mid mid-February. February, February 16th. Weeks. Well, Valentine's is a 14th. I actually know that, and that's a Wednesday. Well, I should know it's the 14th. It's a Wednesday this year. So the 16th would be the opening. Okie doke. The 15th would be the leadoff dinner. This hole is getting deeper. We'll finish up the show right after this. <laughs>
3: We don't need no control.
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: All right, back to put the wraps on this week's Front Row Knowles. K.J.? Your
1: thoughts? How's it going to go tonight uh, for the Noles against Louisville? Well, I, I think if Florida State will get the ball inside and not rely on the three-point shot, they'll have an excellent opportunity. Uh, but this is a very athletic Louisville team, and I know Patino's gone, but uh, you know the players are still there. Uh, they may not be pressing as much, but they're uh, they're very athletic. They're very talented, and if FSU doesn't mind its p's and q's, uh, you know it could be for a long evening. But uh, this team is is pretty resilient. Uh, With Kamaji coming back, I think they'll have an opportunity to work the ball inside a little bit more. I I like their chances. And if you uh, want to do some work inside or outside, where should you go, Keith? I would uh, venture a guess to uh, maybe Ron and his crew at uh, Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. That'd be where I'd go. A couple locations here in town? Yeah, one on Stuckey and then down in Crawfordville. uh, Two locations to uh, serve you. If you want to give them a call, 580-1200. Ron, his knowledgeable staff uh, can uh, help you with any of your power tool needs. It's just a neat place to go to. There you go. All right, so uh, big
0: game tonight for the men. The uh, women will host Miami tomorrow. The men are back at it on Saturday against Syracuse. The women then host Virginia Tech on Sunday. So uh, a little bit of hoops at the Tucker Center the next
1: few days. And, and circling back to football, uh, I guess it's official now that the normal signing day kickoff party will be hosted by Coach Taggart and, and his new staff. So that might be the first opportunity that uh, Seminole fans have to uh, interact with that new staff, maybe? That may be the first opportunity
0: that, that uh, Coach Taggart has to catch his breath. I mean, it's been a whirl. It's, it was, it's always going to be a whirlwind if you're changing jobs. But the early signing period, I think, just added to it for him because he had to spend two weeks recruiting, got a little bit of a break, went to the bowl game. He's been recruiting coaches all over. There had not been much downtime. We're going to take some downtime because you and I only work one hour a week, Keith, right here. We'll be back next Wednesday at 6, Lord willing, right? Bachman
1: Turner Overdrive had a song. <laughs> taking, taking care of business. He's
0: Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week on Front Row